This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. I was trying to get an idea. I want them dead presidents. I want to pull up. Head spin. Get it, get flat. I got six jobs. I don't get it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest and freshest edition of Two Bad Hombres. And we are still, still not tired either. I am your host, Vito Heronimo Trick, along with my usual sidekick and broadcast partner and fun. That is a doc from Doc and Jack, John Charles and Mac O'Roon. John, how are you doing? Vito, welcome to the weekend. I love having Adam Salgate in studio. He's been on uh, earlier this week. If you listened on the Doc and Jock Wrestling Podcast on Doc and Jock, a big supporter of the network. And so if you show love to Detroit Podcast, if you send us messages, if you're engaged and there's an opportunity for you to uh, come in and record podcasts, we love having the supporters here as it shows with Mike Putnam. Now Adam Salgate's here enjoying another recording of Two Bad Hombres, brother. Welcome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate being here. It's a good time. So, Adam, always good having you alongside for the ride because you've been a steady presence all throughout the week, really, on Doc and Jock, the Doc and Jock Wrestling Podcast as well. Now, transitioning into a little bit different kind of talk here on Two Bad Hombres as we like to mix it up. And the first big topic, uh, John Macaroon had the audacity to tweet out something regarding it and me having some fun with me about the spike in the gas tax. Now, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, proposed this spike in the tax rate because of the fact that she wants to fix the damn roads. She really does, really adamant about it. But she really hasn't come up with a great solution yet. And I don't think the latest is a great one either because my pocketbook isn't that deep. My pockets aren't that deep, I guess I'll say too. So with that being said, what do we all have to say about that? And I'll go to you first, John Macaroon. I just laughed at first because I really don't think it's going to pass. I think it's one of those situations where she threw out 45 cents, maybe with the hope they'll negotiate down to 30 cents. But according to her, it's going to raise $2 billion to fix the roads. And I guess it leads to the discussion and one that we will continue to have because I think it's important to ask these kind of questions now that I'm about to be 40 years old. I guess the thing that we got to kind of look at is how does stuff get paid for? How does the government pay for shit? Like, you know, obviously they have budgets and they allocate it, but it just kind of always seems like, you know, let's say, for example, they allocate a million dollars for school and it just kind of seems like the schools need four million dollars. So in the end, you know, where are our tax dollars going that we are paying in? I think that sometimes it's poo pooed when you ask that question. It's kind of like, John, stop asking those questions. Just pay your 20 percent and try to find a way to save money and just pay your money and don't ask where it's going. Because when you really take a deep dive and a deep look at, one, where's this money coming from? Two, where's it going? I just feel like there's a lot of mismanagement that's going on where you could say, oh, okay, you know, so, you know, you raise a billion dollars, but only 400 million goes to the roads. And the other 600 goes to what? Lining your pockets, administrative fees, going into, you know, charitable organizations that some people run. I just think that it's, it's important for us to kind of seek out those smart people to figure out how the hell does the government pay for shit because you're hearing cities go bankrupt. You're seeing that, it's, especially in Detroit, city services are not that good. I damn well know Vito and Adam here don't want to pay 45 cents more, especially when the last regime upped it a little bit. So it's a situation in which for me, I'll be honest, if they do it, if it's 45 cents... I have no problem. I'm not paying it. Oh, you're not moving to Canada? I thought you might no. just move to Canada. No. Or evade no. uh, tax evasion, no. right? You're going to do some of that or what? This is what will happen. 
I will put my ass on a bike and I'll ride the 18 miles to come to work. The first two weeks that it happens, you will see me on a bike. I figure it takes me 20 minutes. If it takes me 45 to an hour to ride my bike, I could lose the weight. And I'll say, screw that. You know what? I'll take a motorized vehicle or I'll take a, some, I'll find a way to do it cheaper, but I will not drive a car if they tax me that much. That's not right. And uh, look, to be honest, if this is the situation and we got to deal with crappy roads, I know it hits people in terms of, you know, blown out tires and axles and shit like that. Screw it. Let it be. Just use what you can. Patch up a couple areas. Let's just do the best that we can because I'm not having my guy Vito not come here and tell me, look, Doc, I'm sorry. Call me up. Text me. Look, man, I can't come. You know, a guy like Adam definitely is not going to drive two hours here to record and <laughs> help a brother out if, if Gretchen Whitmer is going to, you know, text. And, and, and did you guys see the video? They put out that uh, Bill Schuette called her out on it in the debates. He yep, said, yep. he said, um, if you vote for Gretchen, she's going to raise your tax 20 cents. And she's like, no. And it just goes to show you, politicians lie, and they just do whatever they can to get elected. Now she wants to put the costs on the people, and I think the people are pissed off. They don't want to pay more taxes. Well, what you can do for me if you want me to keep coming into the studio is you pay me more money. Let's negotiate a pay rate right now, an increase in that. So if there's a spike in the gas tax rate of 45 cents or so, well, I'm still going to come in if you increase my pay scale too, which I think should be happening very, very soon here. Okay, so <laughs> this so, took a turn. That so took the, a turn for the worse. So the scenario is, you will continue to come if I pay you a little bit more. So I got to find a way to not only generate more revenue, I got to find a way to cover the gas tax and pay you more. So that means you, Vito, a man of the people, want to then in turn put more costs on the people because what's going to happen is, you know, those people that support us via our platform and via PayPal. Instead of, you know, the dollar support or $5 support, we're going to have to tax guys like Adam here, our guest, $5 and $10 and give it back to the listeners. So that's the kind of selfish man you are is you want to put the cost back on the listeners that made you the person you are? I love the people. Selfish. I'm a human being myself, so I love human beings as well, okay? I think Adam has something to say regarding this, though, as well. So you've touched on this a little bit, the idea of, like, if the gas prices go up, now you got to pay your employee more, potentially. I mean, you're, you're kind of doing it in a bit of a farce, but I've had that thought. What happens to our food prices? Because, you know, trucks are, you know, spending more money and now all of that. So what is the – I don't have the answer to this, but I'm really curious. What are the other – things that are going to be affected by a potential gas price. Because if we just did gas, and you're telling me it's roughly, I I heard it's like $6 a uh, fill-up on a 15-gallon tank, so, you know, it's dollars a year for someone who drives 15,000 miles. That's kind of the math works out. Well, obviously, the owners will then give the cost back to the, you know, the citizens again. So, basically, you're getting double taxed. Well, so, Vito, look what look what Vito's solution is. Pay me more money and then well, charge. I deserve it. And, and, and charge, Come on. And charge the listeners more <laughs> to do the same thing they've always done. So, this is why this type of leadership is bogus. Guess what? With climate change, I'm going to bring up climate change now and throw that into the equation here. In Michigan, with that being the case, because it's just ever-changing the climate, you never know how bad it's going to get here, yeah. weather condition-wise, in the winter when it snows, it's freezing cold. The temps affect the roads. The snow affects the roads big time, even bigger than just the temps, right, from my knowledge. So with all that being said, if there continues to be these big snowfalls and freezing temps that are below zero, it doesn't matter how much money you put into fixing the damn roads, as Gretchen Whitmer said herself, uh, there won't be an extremely effective solution then. So that's how I view it, which is the negative, the pessimistic point of view on all of this, because I'm all for fixing the roads myself, uh, but I don't think there is going to be a great solution 
anyways, out of any politician. I don't care how smart he or she is. So this doesn't fall solely on Gretchen Whitmer in terms of her not being able to find a great solution. I don't think any politician right now that could be governor will be finding a great solution on fixing the roads. I agree. It's Doc brought this up. He said, you know, where is that money being spent? I'm pretty pessimistic when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll give you more money. But if I don't see it in front of me on the roadway, well, what the hell did I give you extra cash for? Like, we need to figure that out. Then they patch up a hole, guys, and then it reforms a year or two years later. Like I said, with the weather, from my knowledge, I'm not a scientist or a guy that has studied climate change extensively. But I know how the weather can be so bad and get worse as time goes on because of climate change. And then the roads just keep getting gradually worse and worse by the year. So you patch up a hole or two. Yeah, they look pretty for a little bit, the roads. But then eventually those holes form again. So the thing is, in defense of Gretchen Whitmer, I'm not trying to defend her completely here, but I think any person that could be governor right now wouldn't have this great solution for fixing the roads. And the thing is, like you said, when you bring money into the equation and more and more money, people start backing away from your solution and start thinking, where is this money going? Because it's not hugely quantifiable. So if I don't see my roads being extremely fixed down the line, then you start feeling like more and more, this money has gone towards nothing. Nothing effective for me and my dollar and what I'm spending it on. And people just don't like a spike in taxes. People don't want to be taxed more money because we don't have the money, especially if you're in the middle class or below the middle class, as I am. Okay, so a lot of people, you know, maybe the three of us and a lot of people out there right throughout Michigan don't have the money to really pay for the taxes. So unless I guess you tax us the 1% or something and have them pay for the roads, but then they'd be complaining too. So, and really only if that happened would the rest of Michigan be happy. And then once again, I think at the end of the day, the roads just wouldn't be fixed enough. Yeah, it's a a tough situation because the question has to be asked. She knows that in order to fix the roads, there's an estimate of the cost, but it's not going to fix all the roads in the entire state of Michigan. This $2 billion cost only talks about here in the Metro Detroit area. How much would it realistically cost to fix the roads? And uh, I think that's what we're going to pursue, me and Vito and others, so that guys like Adam here will realistically know what's it cost to fix this kind of stuff and how does stuff get paid for? Because it's not right to continue to tax people because we are already paying in. So I think the likelihood of this getting paid this way is probably zero. And here's my solution, okay? You know, doc for office 2020, okay? What do people no doubt love doing? Smoking marijuana. Oh, wait, no. Yes. (laughs) Bet on sports. Yes, bet on sports. Adam is now going to be my right-hand man. He's a smart guy. He can think critically. Yes, tax vices. Up the people... Up the tax for those that smoke. Up the tax for those that are, um, you know, purchasing marijuana. Up the tax and actually create and legalize, you know, sports betting. There is so many. There are so many people that are just waiting to bet on things, you know, all across the state of Michigan. Let's get on it. You know, even if you just open one parlor and you say, "Look, sports gambling is not legal, but only at this place," and all the money is going to go to services. So I have no problem with that. Uh, I feel like you can at least say, okay, I'll up the tax maybe 20 cents and the other half through gambling and weed. I feel like you're right on it. And it's just not right in terms of, you know, people that need to utilize gas services and driving, especially in the Motor City. I find that uh, Gretchen Whitmer's plan is short-sighted and I think it's going to be an epic disaster. It'll be fought. I don't see it happening at all. Not at 45 cents. Maybe she'll negotiate down to 20. But yes, legalize gambling, legalize vices. And maybe if you have to, legalize prostitution and have it state-run. 
and you realize, okay, those three things, weed, gambling, prostitution, if you tax it and you run it correctly where you don't actually human traffic people and you just tax people correctly, you know, maybe a guy like uh, Dan Gilbert likes to partake in that vice and go down there through a legal rub and tuck, pay $500, 200 goes to the roads. 200 to the girl, 200 to oh the roads, <laughs> you know, legally, you know, it's, instead of $80 tugs, you know, make it the tug $500 and make it worthwhile and have the, you know, tugs for roads. You got to do it. By the way, the Republicans are against this being passed by Gretchen Whitmer on a serious note. No, after all that talk about prostitution being legalized, which maybe it will down the line. But I know a state senator and Republican Peter J. Lucido from the 8th Senate District in Macomb County from Shelby Township is where he resides. He has fought against this as well already, very openly against Gretchen Whitmer and this proposal. So the Republicans are going to continue fighting and fighting back against Gretchen Whitmer over this proposal of hers. And it's not going to happen. And then the other point of view for me is when Doc brought up riding his bike in every single day to the office to work. I'm almost going to be for now this proposal after what I just said even because of the fact I would love to see him actually ride his bike in because it's not going to happen. <laughs> but you can lose some LBs, right? You're all about being on a diet, losing some LBs. guess it would be an effective way of exercising and shedding some LBs, Doc. I think it should be done. I think that, you know what, less reliant upon the car. And I'm, a, I'm, for, you know, I'm all for a green society. Hey, if I'm a guy that's using too much gas driving around, hell, if my contribution is uh, stop driving a car and I, I'm putting less garbage emissions into the atmosphere and I contribute to, uh, you know, and, and I stop contributing to global warming, I'll do it. And I'll do it. By I'll the way, hey, stop it. The real reason why you want to do this is to save money. Save so money, being, yeah. Come on, being eco-friendly. <laughs> Don't give us that BS, Doc. And I think a lot of people would try to spin it that way. Come on, you want to save some bucks. And I get it would become pricey. So I don't think people would really follow through on riding their bikes in. It'd be hilarious to see it happen, though, Adam. I'm 35 miles from my work. I'm not riding my bike in, and I do love to ride my bike. Like, as soon as it's 50 degrees, I'm out on the road doing some riding. But I'm not riding to work 35 miles, well, 60, basically 65 a day. That ain't happening. No, and right now in Michigan, it's just too darn cold. Oh, hell no. You know what, regardless of whether or not you want to save some money, when it's as freezing cold as it is right now in Michigan, uh, people aren't riding their bikes anyway. I don't care how close you are to your work or to where you want to get to. You want to fix the problem? Tugs for roads. You guys- <laughs> Hashtag tugs for roads. That's what what a man. A man of the people yeah. is John Macaroon, huh? You're finding that out more and more. Adam. <laughs> pot for potholes is what I've heard, but not tugs for roads. <laughs> or pot for roads. Uh, roads, I mean, you could do that. Or tugs for roads. Yeah, a lot of proposals we're just throwing out there right now. We're not even politicians, but uh, we're trying to be wise, and it might be more of wisecracks out of us right now. All right, Vito, what else is on the docket? So after all of that, how about on a serious note now once again, Luke Perry passing away at the age of 52, suffering a stroke. And it's brought some more widespread awareness to the fact that people who are even middle-aged and even younger than Luke Perry passing away at 52 can suffer from a stroke. And obviously the severe repercussions of that can be death. And it's sad but true, this bad boy guy that he portrayed, Dylan McKay on 90210, people just loved him in that role. He has passed away at this very young age of 52, Doc. Shocking, man. When I heard the story, it kind of, when you hear about someone passing, we all obviously heard about the fact that he suffered a stroke. And you just realize, okay, you know what? It maybe was a minor incident. It wasn't like that severe. But uh, when you hear and you, and you dig deeper that he was in a coma, that uh, you, know, you can actually you know, have a real severe stroke and it can cause a lot of problems, it's just really unfortunate because, again, it hits home when someone passes away that young that here today, gone tomorrow. So live life to the fullest, laugh, 
don't get offended too easily and really surround yourself with quality people and have a good time in life because you never know tomorrow something awful could happen so i really take that to heart i was a big fan of 90210 and that story which is so devastating and shocking comes on the heels of the big announcement that excited a lot of us in our mid 30s and early 40s that 90210 was going to come back for a six episode run this summer it was going to be cool it kind of brought back our young adolescents when the show uh, like 90210 had come back and it's just tragic it's unfortunate i'm bummed out to hear stuff like that but in the end you know you really got to look at taking care of yourself not smoking really watching what you eat Maybe if you're, you know, prone to stop into that Taco Bell or McDonald's or Burger John, King. Yeah, John, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm going to have to take a serious look at it. I might have to start riding my bike just voluntarily hey, for my health. There we go. Exactly. So I, it just makes you really appreciate life and enjoy the days that you have. And like you said, so Beverly Hills 90210 was coming back for the six-episode arc during the summer. Everybody was looking forward to it. Now, Luke Barry and Shannon Doherty hadn't signed on for the six episodes in the summer. But you would have had to have believed that he would have been appearing in some facet now will they portray his death will they write that into the series now because i guess they very well could and we'll see about that adam moving forward now i don't know if you're a fan of luke perry or not i was going to ask were you a fan of 90210 luke perry back in the day because you're in our wheelhouse you're my age i'm 35 yeah so hey come on hey don't make him as old as you john come on (laughs) i remember 90210 i didn't really watch that show religiously or anything honestly what i remember luke perry in is eight seconds he was a bull rider i don't know that yeah, Before my time, when was that movie out? Oh, probably in that 90210, mm-hmm. in the 10-year period. Days. Okay, yeah. so mid-90s or something? What was that movie about? He was a bull rider. He So eight seconds staying on a bull, like how long, you know, that's their goal always, which is insane. I wouldn't even do that for one second. That's crazy. Yeah, and he was recently back on a TV show. He was acting. Riverdale. Riverdale. CW, yes, as the CW. father of this big character, the main character in that show, and his wife in the series was Molly Ringwald. So two like childhood oh, really? actors, right? Big time actors when they were younger, now portraying adults and parents in this big series on the CW, which was a uh, kind of like a young up and coming series about young people, you know, some people that are uh, teenagers and whatnot got into this series. Yeah, it's difficult for Vito because he's not so, you know, enthralled by actors and things like that. But I know he has to look up to everybody just because he has to. But for me Oh wait, wait, come uh, on, come on. Wait, come on. Did I catch that? Right? For me, I looked up to Luke Perry because, you know, for me, I've always been shorter in stature. I've been a little bit husky. And so I wasn't, a, you know, a sex symbol in yeah. my early 20s. Yeah, because he got girls. He didn't get girls. So you kind of looked up to him and wish you were him and that kind of deal, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, unlike you, like I said, you have to look up to everybody. Yeah. So it doesn't make, you know, too much of a difference for you. So I look at it and I go, you know what, man? Uh, that was a guy that was cool. He was the epitome of cool back then. And he was on 90210 in that show. He was getting all the girls. Yeah. And he was a sex symbol. And so obviously, as a young man, you're like, man, what would it be like? You know, living in Hollywood or living your life being Luke Perry at that time. Because we all think about it. I mean, not often, but you wonder, like, you know, you know, I think a lot of guys' fantasy is to spend, like, a summer being George Clooney or Luke Perry or That'd Brad That'd be fun. Pitt. Yeah, I'll That'd take that. Great, Can I know? get that in 2019? <laughs> exactly. Can I order that on the menu? <laughs> if Gretchen Whitmer would stop taking money out of Vito's pocket, he could pay for a date. <laughs> yeah, I could actually... Like have a nice date for once, yeah, but, you know. But it just goes costs to, money. Yeah, it goes to show you you got to appreciate life and you have to not take it for granted and uh, realize you got to. You know, they say the signs are monitor your blood pressure, don't do things like smoking, pay attention, know the signs. You know, if you start to all of a sudden have trouble speaking or you feel droopiness in your face or all of a sudden uh, body weakness, don't uh, be a tough guy. 
right away address it. But actually, with the right medications and getting to the hospital super quick, you can stop the effects of a stroke. So that's why, as men, I always tell people, look, go get your physical, pay attention to your blood pressure, easy on things that raise your um, blood pressure and things like that. And sometimes, unfortunately, some people are unlucky with genetics and they just have, they're prone to have high blood pressure and they got to take medicine and stuff like that. So uh, RIP Luke Perry, it sucked. It was devastating to hear that story. Live life to the fullest. Like you said, everybody can say that. Now, when you look at a case like that, a man dying at 52 years young, as I like to spin it, but also I think it brings up the negative connotation attached to men and getting physicals and going to the doctor, right? And getting yourself checked out to make yourself aware of maybe you having some uh, symptoms of something that could lead to a stroke eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And I I deal with a physical disability myself. And so I know the importance of kind of staying on that. And, you know, through my early years, I had to learn when is the right time. And I've also had, you know, two good friends, their fathers uh, suffer from strokes. So I've seen what can happen and how that gets played out. And it's really hard. It's really difficult to go through. It's important to stay on top of your health as much as you can. You know, no one wants to give in all of their fun, quote unquote, you know, you don't want to pass on the beer and you don't want to pass on uh, the good food and the cheesecake. Oh my God. But like, <laughs> you know, you got to keep moderation's key and that's just important. And it's, it's nice. You guys are even talking about this. And you know, I'll admit it. I mean, as a young guy, I'm only 25, much younger than John. He's an old dude. I'm in mean, a 50 or 60 or something. <laughs> you know, for me, even I've got to probably realize more and more myself that I should be getting myself checked out for certain things when I feel something wrong. The thing is, I say all that, and still, even after this, you know, case of Lou Perry passing away, and guys that are younger, much younger than that, too, even, you know, I'm probably not going to actually rectify the issue. And that's the poor thing. A lot of people will talk, and I could talk right now and tell you I'm going to go to the doctor tomorrow or, you know, start going once a month, but we just don't go as guys. Where women, I know, are more likely for their lady issues and whatnot, too. Yeah, definitely. Take care of your health. Don't be scared of the doctor and definitely, you know, live life to the fullest, but in moderation, you know, instead of having the whole, you know, slice of cheesecake, have a bite. Or the whole pizza, John. I mean, I don't know. Exactly. Have you taken out a whole large pizza in your past? Probably in college, right? I have. How about you, Adam? You haven't? I'm trying to watch my figure for the Olympics. Yeah, but what? (laughs) I'm watching my figure for the Olympics. I'm going to the Olympics one day, man. I don't know what to do. But anyways, with that being said, let's take a quick commercial break here on this episode of Too Bad Hombres. Always want to thank the sponsors that help keep this podcast on the air, and especially Two Bad Hombres. I want to thank the Detroit Sports Commission and the Legacy Football Organization. The Detroit Sports Commission, which you have Marty Dobeck there. Chris Smith is the director of the Detroit Sports Commission. You can check out all of their events they're hosting in 2019 and beyond at DetroitSports.org. Then there's also Legacy Football, which was founded in 2009. It is a premier off-season development program in the state of Michigan, in the Midwest, and in the entire country. It provides unique platforms for student athletes both on and off the football field through community service, social awareness, education, and football. And it features a staff of many prominent former collegiate stars in NFL players, including legendary Lions wide receiver Herman Moore, and also a past guest of Two Bad Hombres and former MSU All-American linebacker Greg Jones. Now to find out more about Legacy Football and all of the events they are hosting in 2019 and beyond, please contact National Director of Football Ops, Justin Sassante, or go online to LegacyFootballOrg.com. And back here on Too Bad Hombres, Doc, with Adam Selgit, also in store here in studio this week. And, Doc, you had mentioned that you had watched a Michael Jackson documentary very recently, and it kind of, well, it did feature a lot about child molestation and those allegations of him molesting children when he was alive. Leaving Neverland, if you do commit to the four hours, it leaves you scarred, okay, because 
Um, it's a firsthand account from these individuals, from two people that were involved with Michael Jackson, one a former dancer, and uh, I can't recall the relationship with the other young man, but it talks about, you know, in detail, they discuss the acts in general, and it's not just acts that you would think, it talks about other things, and it's in graphic detail, so if you watch it, you know, viewer discretion, because it's really graphic, it's really a situation when you're watching it, you're just like, it, it makes it hard not to view Michael Jackson in a really terrible light if it actually happened. And it's one of those situations where this documentary, Leaving Neverland, is very controversial because there are people who are staunchly defending Michael Jackson. And we have to always remember that we have to say allegedly. Michael Jackson was never formally convicted of child molestation. Never. And so he goes to his grave not ever being convicted of it. So there are people that are thoroughly and staunchly defending Michael Jackson. Now, do I agree with them attacking and going after these guys no this is the story that they're willing to tell and whether it's for money whether it's for you know to cleanse the soul or to really tell the truth if that's the actual case i'm not you know going to formulate a judgment i have to sit back and say i don't know i don't know if it happened or not i can't factually you know sit here and make a decision i haven't looked thoroughly enough at it but if the accounts are true Obviously, we can say that Michael Jackson's behavior with children was weird in terms of the fact that, you know, he spent a lot of time with kids. There were probably times when he was, you know, allowed to hang out with these kids alone. And so it lends to speculation as to what actually happened. But here's how we got to look at it. By law, someone who dies, there's no ramifications for saying anything against him. The, the part that's making it really hard for these two gentlemen is that when it was time when it was a situation in which Michael Jackson was on trial, these two gentlemen testified on behalf of Michael Jackson under oath in court. And so now, after Michael Jackson has passed, they have come out and said these stories. So a lot of people don't believe it, which makes this case really, really murky in and of itself. So when you watch the documentary, the first half is basically in detail how Michael Jackson set up these families, how he kind of, quote-unquote, groomed these kids to abuse them. The second half, the second two hours, is about what the ramifications are of sexual abuse on an adult life in terms of you know sexual dysfunction, kind of confusion, trust issues, and it's real. The, the things that occurred and were said in the uh, second half of that show are real. Uh, those things do happen to those that were sexually abused. So as a trauma specialist, I've talked to a lot of people in regards to these issues, and it's not something to be taken lightly. And I just think that, you know, I don't like to sometimes lay blame at parents for these type of things, but one thing you could take away was you have to be a little bit more protective, like a bear over your kids. You know, even if George Clooney or a guy like Lou Perry, you know, showed me attention, I don't think my parents would have been cool with me sleeping in a bed with Lou Perry. My dad's fist would have been destroying Luke Perry's face if that was ever even asked. Not even like, you know, without thought, it would have happened. My dad would have kicked Luke Perry's ass or anybody's ass, Michael Jackson's ass, if he would have said, you know, I think Mike, I think John's cool. I want to hang out in the bed with him. It, it would have been a drop kick and, a, and an assault charge. So some, the parents do have to take a little bit of blame on this in that, you know, leaving your kid with Michael Jackson for that many hours, despite the fact of what he was saying, yes, he was quote-unquote grooming them, but parents have to 
at least pay attention to what's going on. Some prevention is key, especially with alleged predators. It's a it's a graphic documentary. If you're not uh, if you don't got a strong stomach, if you're really sensitive to it, if you've been abused and it's too traumatic, I wouldn't watch it. It's really tough to watch. I watched all four hours as a psychologist. Like I said, it doesn't convince me either way whether he did it or not, but their account of it, so graphic, so disturbing, and it just really goes to show you that we have to take uh, measures. You know, we take measures for prostitutes. We take measures for other people, addicts. It's also time to protect kids. People cannot be, you know, sexually abused at this rate because the rate is getting higher and higher, and it's disturbing, you know, coming from me, knowing that a lot of kids are getting abused. We have to you know, protect kids. They're innocent. And for kids to be sexually abused is probably one of the toughest things that I face in my field. But I treat it with respect. And I I definitely have committed my life to trying to help these kids. And uh, if it doesn't happen, that's the best that's the best measure. If they can live a a great childhood that sets people up for the ability to have a great life. It's it's just a a tough documentary to watch. HBO is taking a lot of flack for it. They're getting sued by the family members saying, hey, don't air this documentary, because here's the other tough part, too, about documentaries. Documentaries don't have to be fact-based. It can be you can paint a narrative by just saying I want to interview these two people only and put it out there. You don't have to interview the family, you don't have to just remember this guys and and hopefully you're getting information from this. Documentaries don't have to be presenting both sides. A documentary is a theme and a story and sometimes things are omitted from documentaries and I learned this from uh, the Making a Murder documentary, and that some information that was a little bit against Stephen Avery wasn't included in those documentaries. Now, you know, they address it in later editions uh, of that show, but it, it goes to show you that don't be one of those people that just says, oh my God, I saw this. Critically think and dig into it if you're interested in, in learning. Read the court documents, investigate and decide for yourself. I didn't do that work, so I, le- I leave it here going, I don't have a judgment against Michael Jackson. I'm going to enjoy his music. What kind of person was he? Uh, there's some question marks about that, but um, I'm not going to formulate a judgment. I'm not going to call him a child abuser. Um, I'm just going to say that, yes, his childhood was filled with trauma, and it might have caused some issues in his adulthood. So these individuals under oath, like you had said, John, originally went under oath, denied that they were molested. Now they've recanted their statement since and are saying now that they were molested by Michael Jackson. So obviously your credibility as witnesses to something like that goes down and downhill after you go under oath and, you know, uh, say something and then you reverse the course now. So it's making it harder to believe them as being factually accurate with everything that they did say about Michael Jackson and molesting them as young children. But I take the stance, too, that I believe all accusers, because you never know the, the turmoil, right, and the mental just uh, damage that these kids went through. As kids growing up and as kids, you're not going to tell your parents everything, right? So you keep a lot of it to yourself, you boil it up, and maybe after a long enough time, then you feel strong enough about it to come forward with the allegations and whatnot. So it might take a a while for especially younger people to gather the courage necessary to come forward with such allegations against a man with so much power and star status as Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. So I want to believe all the accusers, and I think we have to take that stance right now, and I think to come out and totally say Michael Jackson was in the right all the time and never did such a thing to anybody, to any child, I think it's hard to take that stance right now, and that is a stance I think that nobody should be taking because Wendy Williams took that stance on her talk show. She returned to her talk show and took that stance like right away in an episode of the Wendy Williams show. I think for somebody to take that stance um, is faulty, faulty judgment right now, Adam. 
I think the part that scares me the most is being a dad of two young girls. Like, you know, one's she's four months old and the other one's three. And so I just think to myself, you know, how do I protect them from from a child abuser, from people that maybe you trust that you just don't know? And I, I, that's the part that scares me a lot about it. When it comes to Michael Jackson, I agree with what Doc said, that I'm going to listen to his music. I'm going to just enjoy it. Um, my daughter, actually, the three-year-old, really loves watching Thriller. She loves the song and she loves the video. So, uh, you know, when it comes to him, that's where I'm going to leave it for now. It is tough to think about that this is happening in the world and what can we do as parents to help protect them and to help them stay safe. Let me say this to you really quick, John. So you're bringing children into your bed. Uh, whenever is that a good thing? When you're a man, an adult, and you have a child in your bed with you that is not your kid. It's not typical, right? yeah. It's not typical. It's not typical right. actions by an individual that is not the father of that child. And even when you're the father of that child and you're bringing your kid to bed with you, and consistently it starts to look erroneous. And here's the tough part about this story. Michael Jackson settled with one of the accusers. So what does that mean? Because I always believe that if someone accused me of something that I didn't do, I'm just going to go balls to the wall and say and scream every day, I didn't do it. And now he didn't have the privilege of social media as it is now where he could have did a video. He did obviously go on TV quite a bit and discuss it, but he settled. And there's always this notion that when you settle a case that maybe you were guilty. Mm -hmm. because. But in the end, too, to present the other side, lawyers will tell you, you never want to go through because of the chance. Let's say, for example, uh, I know lawyers that will tell you that, you know what? No, whenever a situation happens, if you're worth $4 billion and someone makes a, a stupid allegation, just give them the, the, the $30 million, they'll go away and you keep it moving. Who cares what people think? Because what would have happened was, you know, uh, this would have potentially sent him to jail for a long time. So that's why this notion that rich people get off is because most people settle. Because these lawyers, these toxic lawyers, they get into the mix and, you know, it's all a money transaction. And that's what it sucks in that I, that's what I've been telling Vito on several editions of this podcast is our, if we can make one adjustment to the legal system is to make it so that money's not tied into legal damages. It's like, look, if something's going on and you're legally responsible, go to court and let's keep it moving because you have situations in which people are just taking money and then the, the same thing can keep happening over and over and over again because uh, a settlement happens. And so I, I feel like similar to Colin Kaepernick and similar to maybe in Michael Jackson's case, maybe a predator was able to you know stay free because he bought his way out of it. So that's why uh, settlements tend to make people believe, well, what really happened? So this story has so many layers to it, and people debate back and forth, but the one thing we can look at here on this podcast, and we'll advocate, is sometimes pause your reactions, do more research before you you know, make judgments and, and go on social media and, and stake claim to what you're saying, because sometimes you could get, uh, and, and especially in regards to Justice Smollett and, and the issue with the uh, you know, c controversy in regards to the Native American who you know, approached the young man, there are scenarios in which if you make comments that are really wrong and you advocate for things and it turns out that you're wrong, you can get sued. Well, how about Wendy Williams, as I already yeah, mentioned yeah, herself, yeah. a public figure going on her talk show, has her own platform on her talk show, coming out and just defending Michael Jackson right away. Like, really? Without conclusive evidence supporting your case that he did nothing wrong? And then there has been the the cases where he has settled with people. Yep. So, I mean, come on. He's settling because he doesn't want his name dragged, right, yep. and, and damaged. And, and the thing is, what I want to make known is I think a lot of these people with authority— you know what? They think they're above the law, and I would love to get rid of that with these individuals, too, because yep. they should not be 
uh, thinking that and people that have that logic that is faulty logic and they should have to pay the consequences too if they're doing this to children or any other kind of illegal activity they should have to deal with the same consequences yeah. as I, an average Joe has to I think it's very I think it's fair Vito to say people can't settle with money sexual abuse cases I mean literally that's a fair statement that's a good starting point is if it involves sexual abuse we have to investigate it we have to go to trial and let the truth decide let people who um you know a, a jury of your peers let them see the evidence let there be you know due process let's see all the evidence and let's see what happens because maybe Michael could have pled out for therapy, he could have pled out, he could have made a, a plea deal and say, look, you know, maybe I did do this and, and, and uh, I need to be rehabilitated. Something else could have happened other than um, a, a money transaction in this story. So really quick, moving away from this serious note into one funny story to really round out this week's episode of Too Bad Hombres. I already had mentioned that John can't get women. Well, SNL's Pete Davidson continues to get women. Right. And you look at him, he's got face tattoos, tattoos. I mean, to me, I'm a guy, I'm not into the guys, but I don't find him extremely attractive. But he's funny. Is that how he continues to get women like Kate Beckinsale, who is yes. 20 years older than him, is this beautiful model? John, give me your reaction. Well, Vito, I can be openly honest. You think my wife married me for my looks? Uh, God, no. Come on, brother. Come on. I know that. I don't have to say that. Funny. Anybody here. I'm sneaky funny. And uh, I think that one way to attract women is to be funny because what do women like to do? They like to laugh and they like to spend money. So if you can, and so you're not going to be able to satisfy the other needs, so make them laugh. There we go. So I can do, Adam. What do you have to say about this? Big topic here. Pete Davidson, I, I mean, he keeps, yeah, who was he with before? Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Beautiful girl. Like, I, I don't have dreams about her, but I look up to the woman. Like, I would love to be in uh, a relationship with her, a movie, a music, anything, anything. You name it. You might not even have to look up at Ariana Grande. No, that's a good thing, too. Not quite. I like that. I threw that in there at the end of the podcast. Learned it a lesson. That good was job. beautiful, man. I mean, I like yeah, it. there's a lot more to someone than their looks. I mean, that's, you know. It should be. That's, that's right. We, that's how we should, you know, rate people. My wife, you know, I know it was looks for me, but, you know. Well, I can see. Still, yeah, but, I can see. And, and I hate to say it, too, but sometimes men that, you know, go through things and he had a suicide scare, they become like sympathetic figures. Oh, yeah, and especially too. a guy like that, he's on television. It, it, there's a law of attraction. And so it's an interesting relationship, Kate Beckinsale and Pete Davidson. A lot of times these relationships don't last. It's a fling. Yeah. But, you know, maybe, you know, this couple will last. But uh, you got to also remember, too, okay, human nature. And it's lucky, too, Adam, you get to experience uh, psychological insight, okay? And I am an expert on people. Okay, so, expert, so self-proclaimed expert. I'm listening. Let me lay this down. Okay, so Pete Davidson has been with Ariana Grande. So another woman comes up after him and is like, "What does he have? What is it about him that it was able to land? Because he's not that obviously good looking. What was it about him that uh, landed Ariana Grande?" So when you start, you know, attaching names like that, if Vito started dating like. Uh, um, if Vito started dating Kate Upton and started dating models, people would be like, what has he got down there? And they'd be curious. So, I mean, I could just tell you, too. But anyway, exactly, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> when you start racking up big names, other women start going, oh, what I'm has curious. he got going on? So they become curious, and so he's able to land uh, a lady like Kate Beckinsale. Now he's got Kate Beckinsale and Ariana Grande. He breaks up with them. Oh, he's going to you know, tear through Hollywood. Especially with the group. Tear through Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I love that. By the way, they were really watching that hockey game, the Rangers game the other night. Did you see oh, yeah. that picture? I had to retweet no. it because yeah. I found it hilarious. Uh, Jimmy Trina yeah. from SI, or I think it's at Sports Illustrated now. He tweeted that picture out, or the athletic, anyways. 
funny picture, man. They were at a hockey game, I believe Smooching. a Rangers game, mm-hmm. tonguing each other. I like to say tonguing. <laughs> you see serious tongue there. All right. Anyways, yeah. Adam, anything else to say about that regarding no. Pete Davidson? It is no. highly attractive looks. Do you obviously. think it's funny? Do you think it's funny? I've watched a little bit of him and his Saturday Night Live stuff yeah. is funny, but I haven't watched much of his stand-up. I don't know. So okay. I don't have a huge opinion on Davidson. I love comics, but Good. not Who, much on him. Which comic do you like? Uh, Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan is the man. I've nice. seen him four times now here in different areas in Michigan. Love him. I'm a fan of Adam Carolla. I'm a fan of Joel Coy. I'm a fan of Dave Chappelle. I'm a fan of Chris Tucker. And uh, I like comedy too. Netflix is the best. Yeah. Those specials are great. Thousands of, of specials. Great stuff. And you're a fan of Vito Churko, right? I'm a fan of Vito Churko. <laughs> Good to hear. And with that, Adam, John, that is all she wrote for this week's episode of Two Bad Hombres. Adios.